How are we doing today? All right. It's good to see so many faces. I, I don't feel like I'm among friends. I feel like I'm among family. Hey, what's up? The, uh, I, I'll never forget that time rolling on this lot late. I was late with a trailer full of junk, full of stuff for kids ministry. And uh, it's good to be with you guys today and uh, here in Lake Norman. Uh, Zach, you've done a phenomenal job here. And uh, can I tell you, um, you're just getting started. And that's scary for me because I, I can barely keep up with your pace. And it makes me nervous sometimes to be around you because we never know where we're going or what we're doing or what's happening because you go. And when you go, you go hard. And, uh, but it's good to be with you guys today. And Paul, uh, Nicole, I miss you guys. Tremendous. Dude, you're my man. I'll never forget that time uh, we were uh, on Orcas Island and uh, t- t- took a bro photo. We're on the pier on the, on the right where they filmed uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the, what's the Killer Whale movie? Free Willy. Free Willy. Yeah, right there. They, free, they filmed Free Willy right there and we're there and I'm like, dude, let's take a picture. And uh, we took a picture one direction and the lighting, it was dark. And then I was like, let's turn this direction. The sun, sun's in our eye. You know, it'd be great. And uh, when, I, when we turned, the sun was so bright, we couldn't see anything. And we were just like this. Just, <laughs> just took, I'll never forget that, but I, I miss you, man. And, uh, and, if, and if Jenna leaves during the sermon, it's not because my preaching is off. It's probably because she's having the baby, all right? So, amen. Uh, well... Uh, today, we're going to have some fun, all right? So uh, today, we're going to talk freedom for the community, all right? Last week, Multiply Concord uh, had a ribbon-cutting ceremony for the Cabarrus Dream Center. If you've ever been over to Concord, they've got a Dream Center location there, and uh, they just cut the ribbon, brought out the big scissors, and cut it, and, and uh, our, our pastor, Doug Withrop, gave a key to each uh, representative for each of the ministries that are there at the Dream Center. Uh, there's the Pregnancy Center. There's Cornerfield Market. There's all these different ministries that are meeting the needs of people. And, and uh, he gave them a key to the city. And this, this key was symbolic, symbolic of the ministry that they're doing, symbolic of the doors that they're going to unlock, symbolic of the people that are locked down and locked out, have lost hope. And uh, it's symbolic of the key. The message of Jesus Christ that, that they're going to bring to them in their life. How many of you know we carry a similar key? You have a similar key. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, as a Christian, as a follower, for those watching online, for those of you in the overflow room, for those of you in this room, can I tell you that you have a similar key, and it's a master key that unlocks any door. Its master key is the life-saving message of Jesus Christ. It's the hope for humanity and this is what we're going to be talking about today. Recently, my wife and I, we traveled uh, to Raleigh for a conference. And uh, it was late at night. Uh, and uh, after watching Field of Dreams, my wife jumped in the shower. And I was feeling thirsty. So it's late. I don't have my shoes on. I got my socks. I'm like, I'm just going to shoot downstairs, get, get, get a Coke, get a Coke, buy her a Sprite. And I'm going to make my way back up. And, uh, and when, I, when I get back, uh, the key the key won't work. The key won't unlock the door. So I'm like, oh man, my wife's in the shower. I'm just standing out here in my socks looking like a fool. And I'm, I'm swiping. I'm turning it. I wait. I try turning it the other way. And it's just, it's just not unlocking the door. Can I tell you that some people think they have the master key. And at the end of this life, they're going to be standing before their maker. And they're going to think that their key is going to get them into heaven. And they're going to be standing there surprised at the gates when the key doesn't work. When the key doesn't unlock the door. Can I tell you that God has given us a master key? And uh, if you turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25, 
this is where we're going to um, uh, be digesting the text today. Uh, uh, let's open up with a word of prayer, and then we'll break it down. God, we thank you. We thank you for being sovereign. We thank you for being Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for being King and Lord of our lives. God, may you, may you give us guidance and direction today. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would in, enlighten hearts and enlighten minds. Open up the ears of the hearer, God, and may it be your words and not my own. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so for context, here in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is preparing people for the kingdom of God. How many of you know we need to prepare people for the kingdom, amen? And he's using parables to help them understand his message so that they don't get locked out of heaven. Parable, the parable of the ten bridesmaids is, is at the onset of the passage of scripture. And this is about people who will miss out when Jesus comes back. And then there's parables of the talents where it's talking about how we need to use our talents and gifts for the kingdom of God. To, to grow the kingdom and to advance the kingdom. And then we get to verse 31. And this is where it gets interesting. It's about the sheep and the goats. Say sheep and goats. Sheep and goats. Verse 31, it says this. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. He will separate the people one from another, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his throne, then, he will, then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Verse 37, Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Verse 41, then, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire. Prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty? When did we see you as a stranger needing clothes or sick and in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. What I love about this passage of Scripture is not only it's got sheep and goats. It's a little intense, uh, but what I love about it is that both, both of these um, uh, were, were surprised. They were surprised. Uh, you had the, the righteous, the sheep that were surprised. When did we see you? And uh, when did we do these things? We were totally clueless. And then you had the goats that were totally surprised that they're getting locked out of heaven saying, what in the world? Um, it's also interesting that this passage of scripture is the last teaching that Jesus gives before being arrested, falsely accused, convicted, and hung on a cross. With that in mind, it's possible that these parables hold the secrets or the master key to the kingdom of heaven. With that in mind, let's lean in and carefully hear what the scripture is trying to say. So let's lighten it up a little bit. In this passage, Jesus 
is speaking to his creation in a way in which they can understand. He's speaking to the culture of that day and that time in a way that they can understand. Using a parable, talking about animals, livestock, something that they can relate to and understand. And in verse 33, it says he's putting sheep on one side and he's putting goats on the other side. Sheep on the right, goats on the left. So I have three kids. Uh, Ainsley, she's four. Walter is seven and Abigail is nine. And this weekend we were camping out in the backyard and I asked them, I was like, sheep or goat? What is it? You want to be a sheep or you want to be a goat? And this, were, this was their answers. So Walter said he wanted to be a wool-shaven sheep so that everyone could see his nipples. So clearly... <laughs> He, he doesn't know half as much about sheep as he thinks he does. <laughs> Abigail, Abigail's my intellectual one, all right? She's, she's the smart one in the bunch, and, and she's the thinker, and she was like, I want to be a sheep. I want to, no, no, I want to be a goat. I want to be a goat because if I'm a goat, I got, I got horns. I can protect myself. I can take care of myself. She's like, I want to be a goat. And then Ainsley, my youngest, who's four, she wants to be a unicorn. <laughs> she wants to be a unicorn so she can shoot rainbows out of her horn. Um, so... In all seriousness, though, sheep or goat, sheep or goat, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? You got to decide. Sheep or goat. So what do we know about goats? In this passage, goats were surprised when they didn't make the cut. So goats, goats are consumers, all right? They eat everything. My uncle has some goats. And we got some goat people in here. Where's my goat people? I know some people. Yeah, there we go. Uh, You brought us this really cool goat cheese and uh, goat milk and you know, we can make, we can, uh, make cashmere if we've got the right kind of goat. I mean, goats, they, they've got some cool things going for them, but my uncle's got some goats, and they're consumers. They eat everything. They consume, and they eat everything. They're eating the bushes, the plants, the landscape, and the grass. doesn't matter. If, if, if it can be eaten, they will eat it. Another thing that's interesting is uh, you have many different types of goats, all right? You got the fainting goat, all right? Uh, the goats that faint. You got goats that are screaming. Uh, you got goats that are butting heads. And then you got the goats that are making cashmere, um, and they make for really great memes, all right? I don't know if you've ever watched memes or watched, but the goats make some really great memes, and they're also all over the place. Whenever I see a goat, you never know where you're going to see a goat. It could be on top of the car. could be on top of the pump house or on top of the shed. They really find themselves in the most precarious of places. But you know what? Like goats, there's going to be a lot of people surprised, There's a lot of people we have in society that are just consuming and just eating and consuming everything, consuming culture, consuming technology, but they're going to be surprised when they're locked out. We've got a lot of people like goats that are posting a lot of things in their cashmere and and in their, their new outfits and posting stuff on Instagram, trying to generate followers and likes and comments. But can I tell you, they're going to be surprised when they find out that they don't have substance and they don't have heart. Can I tell you that there's a lot of people butting heads Button heads in culture about masks and button heads about vaccines and button heads about politics and button heads about things that don't matter. Button heads about toilet paper, button heads about food, button heads about uh, geopolitics. Can I tell you, there's a lot of people like ghost button heads, but they're going to be surprised when they get to the kingdom of heaven. Can I tell you, we got a lot of people all over the place, all over the place that are finding themselves in the craziest of places. Are you going to be surprised? When you get to heaven. And then we have sheep. All right. Sheep on the other hand. Humble. Meek. And mild. Subservient creatures. Now they're not without their faults. All right. If you read about them. Sometimes they leave their young. I thought this was surprising. Uh, They'll give birth. And you know. Just totally forget. They just had that one. Um, 
Sometimes without a flock or a shepherd, they'll just walk in circles until they die, which is also very interesting. You would think they'd be smart enough to figure out we've got to walk in a straight line. We've, we've got to get things moving in the right direction. Most of the time, they're clueless. This is why a lot of people say that they are dumb. For this reason, many in our culture today reject the notion and reject the idea of being called a sheep. They've got shirts. I'm not sheep. I'm not sheeple. I'm, I'm a wolf. I'm a lion. I'm a bear. I, we, have, we have a lot of people that reject the notion of being a sheep because you have to be humble and meek and mild and you have to follow and you have to be subservient. And yet, when we look at Scripture, we're referred to as sheep. Isaiah 53, 6, we all are like sheep. Psalms 95, 7, we are the flock under his care. Psalms 100, we are the sheep of his pasture. To understand this, we must look to the words of Jesus in John 10. What is this infatuation with sheep? Jesus himself in verse 11 said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd, does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock, scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But unlike the hired hand, I am the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. I know my sheep. My sheep know me. And just as the Father knows me, I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. You know, this is a command from the Father. Going back to our passage in Matthew 25, it's interesting. It's, it's interesting. Because both goats and sheep were surprised that they didn't make the cut. Can I tell you, the only way that we can make the cut is by knowing his voice. It's more than just being a sheep. It's more than identifying with one or the other. Can I tell you, you have to know what camp you're in. You've got to pick a side, pick a team, and you've got to be in all heart and soul like Jonathan was with David. I'm all in heart and soul. Let's take the city. Let's take the battle. Let's take the camp. Whatever it is, I'm all in heart and soul. Can I tell you? We don't want to get locked out. We need to understand the Father and we must know His voice. You're either a sheep or a goat. You can't just simply identify with one side or the other. You've got to be all in, heart and soul, fully knowing the voice of the Master. So how often have we been oblivious to the obvious? Now, there are some easy indicators to know whether you're sheep or goat. It's easy to know. Some easy indicators. We're going to walk through some of these indicators. One, Goats get overwhelmed and shut down with the big picture. How many of you have been overwhelmed with the state of the world right now? Overwhelmed with politics, overwhelmed with masks, overwhelmed with vaccines, overwhelmed with the news media, overwhelmed with uh, uh, race, culture, overwhelmed with, with just about everything that's happening. And it's frustrating as you read these things and look at these things because some things would seem simple, right? Some things would seem easy to fix. Some things would seem not as complicated as we've made them. But can I tell you that this is a mindset. It's a perspective. It's a negative mindset based on what the psychologist Carol Dweck taught. This is a fixed mindset. Can I tell you, we can't get overwhelmed with the things of the world. Psalms 42.7 tells us one thing that we need to get overwhelmed with. One thing that we have to submerge ourselves in. And what we have to do in Psalms 42.7, it says this. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves have swept over me. For once, I think we need to change what we're getting submerged in. Some, for, for once, I think we have to change what we are subjecting ourselves to. For once, I think we have to realize what we're consuming. Because like goats, you are what you eat. 
And can I tell you that we need to be eating and consuming the right things and be getting swept over by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Washed over with the water of the word as it says in the Bible. Sheep, on the other hand, they focus on doing for one what they wish they could do for everyone. You have goats getting overwhelmed and shut down. Sheep, however, focus on doing for one what they could do for everyone. Like their master, the good shepherd, they focus on the one. What do we hear about the one? Matthew 18, 12. If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? In the same way, your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones would perish. Oftentimes in scripture, Jesus gives us a model to follow. Jesus himself was constantly going after the one, not the crowd, not for the big shebang, not for changing the entire world at one time, but just going after one person. Luke 19, Jesus, while being surrounded by crowds, notices Zacchaeus hanging out in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house today. I'm going to break bread with you. We're going we're gonna to eat together. We're going to laugh together. We're going to fellowship with one another. In John 5, Jesus heals the man at the pool of Bethesda who was lame. And there on a mat for 35 years, he couldn't get off his mat and get there. Every time the pool would bubble up, people would rush to it hoping to be healed because they, they felt that there were healing waters in the pool. And the man, because he was lame, could never get in front of the line. Jesus could have easily stepped into that pool. And he could have healed everyone that was there. But instead, he locates this one person. He identifies with this one man who's been an invalid for 35 years. And he says, take up your mat and walk. In John 6, Jesus crosses the Red Sea. And what does he find himself? He finds himself among a crowd of 5,000 people on the hill. 5,000 men on the hill, not including women and children. And what does he do? Rather than notice the masses and look at the masses, he focuses on one little boy. One little boy that just has what he has, and he has five small loaves and two fish. He's looking for the one who just has what they have and is willing to use what they've got on hand to do great things. In Acts 9, the Lord, when he appeared before Saul, Saul was persecuting the church. Saul was responsible for the stoning of Stephen. Can I tell you, the Lord appeared before him and changed his name and gave him an identity. And because he changed him and stepped into that moment and changed one person, we have some of the greatest writings in the New Testament because of Paul. Can I tell you that God is just looking for one? There's a power in one. Now, what do we know about this power of one? You may be, you may be saying, Kevin, this sounds too simple. This sounds too simple. Why would I just focus on one person when I can focus on my street or my community or my neighborhood? Can I tell you, this is what we know about the power of one. In Joshua 23.10, it says this. It only takes one to put a thousand to flight. It only takes one to put a thousand to flight. Think about that. One to a thousand. One to a thousand. How is that even possible? It's possible because the Lord... Because the Lord can do much with little and he fights for you just as he has promised. Because of the power of his Holy Spirit that has fueled us as temples of the Holy Spirit, we're able to do more. We're able to do more. We're able to defy the odds and make the impossible possible with only one. What are you doing with one? Who's that one neighbor? Who's that one person? Who's that, who's that one person in need that you can go after? Number two, goats see meeting physical needs as unnecessary. What do we know about them? They're gluttons, consumers. They just meet their own needs without regard for their neighbor. But sheep, on the other hand, meet physical needs. And they see these physical needs as the gateway to meeting spiritual needs. 
They meet the, uh, they meet the needs of others without regard for their self. And in turn, unlock the gateway to meeting spiritual needs. In John chapter 4, Jesus comes across one, this Samaritan woman. And of course, she's coming. And he meets her there at the well. And of course, they have a conversation about having a drink of water. And she's thinking physically. She's thinking about physically. She's thinking about this physical drink. But Jesus is thinking about a spiritual drink. And he says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst again. You see, Jesus was thinking about the spiritual needs of this person. He was thinking about the spiritual needs of this Samaritan woman, not just her physical needs. Because once she was able to find life and find freedom and find family and find purpose in the identity of Jesus Christ, she took that news and was able to spread it to a community and was able to use her testimony to change so many other lives. In Acts chapter 3 verse 6, the the man who was lame from birth at the gate called Beautiful. He has a physical need. He's looking for money. He alms for the poor. You know, tuppence, tuppence, like give, give me some money. One of my Mary Poppin days there for a minute. Peter said, Peter said, listen, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. What I have I give to you, and that's something spiritual. And that was the message and the life-saving hope of Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's not flashy, it's just practical, ordinary work. Growing and preparing food and drink. Helping a new co-worker feel welcome and caught up to the speed at a new job. Getting close to those in need. Helping entrepreneurs. Being a listening ear over a cup of coffee. And when those moments happen, can I tell you that God opens doors. He opens doors that no one else can open. He has the master key. And when you make yourself, when you sacrifice what you want and you put yourself on this altar, can I tell you that God will use you. He'll use you in the same way that he used his son Jesus. Number three. Goats see their actions as disconnected from their salvation. Goats see their actions disconnected from their salvation, but sheep understand they are not saved by their actions. But their actions are proof of their salvation. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand what it says in Ephesians, and it, and it says that we're saved by grace. And you say, well, wait a second, Kevin. I thought we were saved by grace and not by works. Absolutely. We're saved by grace and, and not Because of our works, not because of anything that we did, but because of everything that Jesus Christ did on the cross. We're saved by grace because of his actions. We're saved by grace because of his act, because of what he did. But we can't stop there. If we stop there, we're going to miss out on what God has for us. In James 2, 14, it says this. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about meeting their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Can I tell you that faith without works is dead in the same way that works without faith is dead? Number four. So what do goats say? Goats say it's someone else's problem. Go say it's the politician's problem. It's America's problem. It's the church's problem. They say it's Jesus' problem. But can I tell you that at the end of this life, Jesus isn't going to say to you, did you go to a church that helped the poor? Did you go to a church that changed lives? He's going to say, what did you do? Because whatever you do to them, you did it unto me. And can I tell you, I need, the church needs you to step into that place. 
The church needs you to do more than just be the church. The church needs you to get out and witness and evangelize and, and get connected and get plugged in. Sheep say it's my problem. In Matthew 28, Jesus is the one who said, go into all the world. It is for all of us. It is a mandate. It is a call to action for all of us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Number five, go see serving people as serving people. Can I tell you that when it comes to volunteering, when it comes to serving, often, oftentimes, uh, if we're not careful, we'll just see it as volunteerism. We'll just see it as a good act. We'll just see it as a good deed. We'll just see it as charity. We'll just see it as a tax write-off. We'll just see it as a nonprofit tax-exempt status. We'll see it as a resume builder or an entrance to college. Can I tell you, sheep people see something different. They have different eyes. Their eyes have been opened. They have been enlightened. They have been open and enlightened. The veil has been torn and has been lifted. They see people serving people, serving Jesus. Can I tell you that sheep see serving people as serving Jesus? They're not seeing the person in front of them. They're seeing Jesus. They're seeing the call to Jesus. They're seeing the act of Jesus on the cross. Can I tell you that we need to open our eyes. We need to unveil them and we need to see Jesus Christ for who he really is. In verse 40 it says this, the king will reply, truly I tell you whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters, you did it for me. Matthew 13 11 says the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you. Lake Norman for those listening online, for those in the overflow room, for those of you in front of me in this room, can I tell you that the keys to the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you. They've been given to you because Jesus took them back from the devil. Because when he was placed into a tomb, while he was there, he just didn't sit and wait. But it says that he went into the depths of the earth. He went into the gates of hell and he took the keys from the devil to death, hell, and the grave. He has the master key. It's time for somebody to unlock some doors. It's time for somebody to start swiping. It's time for somebody to start seeing the need and meeting the need. Can I tell you, Lake Norman, when I see you, I see you unlocking doors. I see you unlocking doors. You don't know I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it. I got four minutes. No, it's good. It's good. I got down here a little bit early today, uh, and I rode down to the property, Pastor Zach, and I parked my car. It's a little harder to find because there's some houses missing there. But you had a sign. Praise the Lord. You had a sign. And I'm there on that property, and I'm just praying, praying because God's not done. Can I tell you, Lake Norman, God's not done. He's not done with this city. He's not done with this county. He's not done with you. There are greater works yet to be done. And as I'm riding, I'm just praying. And uh, the firemen are riding. They're riding from here to the property and just opening up the water valves. And as I'm seeing water pour onto the streets, as I'm seeing water pour on the streets, as they're making their way that direction, can I tell you, there's going to be a water main breakthrough. Yeah. Prophetically, I feel that. I see that. Every obstacle God is going to remove. Can I tell you that you guys are going to walk through raindrops because he's going to give you favor because he's given you the keys to the city. Can I tell you prophetically there's going to be a water main breakthrough. Can I tell you that God is going to unlock it and it's going to flow. Can I tell you that people are going to find life. Can I tell you that people are going to find freedom. They're going to find family and 
they're going to find purpose because you are the one that God called, that God set apart. You are the one that has stepped into this city. And can I tell you that the Bible says God is going to give you the ground, the very ground that you walk upon. So get ready to receive that water main breakthrough. Come on, church. Come on, somebody. This is your city. This is your time. This is his house. Come on.